as we join with our Lord. And the Father's there speaking. The Spirit makes himself known in the dove. Jesus is being baptized into his messianic ministry. The purpose for which he came. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17... We're going to be joining in the word of the Lord this morning. So please follow along in your scriptures if you, have a, if you have your Bible with you. Grand entrances are something we know about in life, didn't we? Don't we? In fact, just last Monday night, no, not even a week ago, the, national, the defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs ran onto the field with great fanfare. I don't know if you saw it or not. If you didn't, that's fine. Here's a picture of it. Smoke and fireworks and flames as the team ran out to defend their national championship, led by their head coach. And lo and behold, they came out of that game another consecutive year as a national champion. Now, if you missed that, that's not a big deal. That's fine. Maybe something else that we know about with grand entrances would be something like this, that traditionally a bride is led into a wedding ceremony by her father. And when the bride's presence is made known in that worship time, we all stand and honor that situation of what's going on in the Lord's sight, a husband, a man and a woman coming together as, as husband and wife. Maybe that's a, a traditional kind of grand entrance that, that we know about. For Jesus today, it's his grand entrance. He came once, for sure, in the grand entrance of the angels proclaiming the glory that the Son of God was born in Bethlehem. And, and we've celebrated that just a few weeks ago. In fact, last week we celebrated the Magi coming to this child. And, and we who are the Gohim, the, the Gentiles, were included in the message of God's plan of salvation. Now that's being made known as the grand entrance of Jesus, maybe 30 years old, is, is being baptized in the Jordan. Well, here's what it says in verse 13. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. This is John the Baptist. This is Jesus' cousin. And the grand entrance of the Messiah is upon the world. This is not the baptism that John was doing. It's very different, in fact, from the baptism that John was doing. We're told earlier in Matthew chapter 3... John replies to people asking what he was doing. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. That's what John was baptizing for. But he says, after me comes one who is more powerful than I. He's referring to, of course, Jesus, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So Jesus Being baptized is not the baptism that John was baptizing for. Jesus didn't need a baptism for repentance. And in fact, as Jesus was baptized and entered into his messianic ministry, he brings a very different baptism than John was baptizing. And in fact, Jesus goes to the Jordan River not to be baptized by John in John's baptism, nor is it the kind of baptism that we need. (laughs) What do we need? Well, here's Paul to Titus, chapter 3. When the kindness and love of the Lord God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Just as John said, the one who comes after me, more powerful than I, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. This is what Paul is talking about. The Spirit 
leads us in a washing of renewal in the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. That's the baptism we need. That's the baptism I and you. We have been baptized into, in the name of Jesus, the Messiah, who's making his grand entrance now for the purpose of bringing to us the kingdom of God and all of its blessings as we know through our baptism. Claims, people of God. There's a lot of mystery around this. There's a lot of things that we don't know. It's not quite as obvious as defending national champions running onto the field amidst all the fanfare. It's not quite as obvious as a bride being led in by her father uh, into a, a wedding ceremony. It's not quite as obvious as a doorbell ringing. Many were confused about what was going on there. The Israelites certainly were. Who is this Jesus, this Messiah? And they questioned his identity, his purpose, the whole time that he was among us. In fact, they were so confused that they crucified the very Son of God, their Messiah, and ours. Even John was a bit confused about Jesus and his purpose and this grand entrance he was making. In fact, we hear about that in verse 14 because John tries to deter Jesus, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? To deter what John is trying to do here is something that we know all so well in our own lives, in our hearts, that we struggle with in our sinfulness, that faith struggles with in our sinfulness. To deter is to say that John is intentionally, he is intentionally trying to separate Jesus from the purpose for which he is at the Jordan River, even though he thinks he's making a proper suggestion. He's intentionally trying to deter Jesus from his mission, from the purpose for which Jesus Christ has come, even though John thinks, hey, this is a good suggestion I'm making. Kind of reminds you of Peter, right? Hey, let's stay here, Lord, on this mountain, your mountain of glory, your transfiguration presence, and let's build some shelters here so we can stay. I think I'm making a good suggestion. I think I'm doing the right thing. But in fact, it's intentionally deterring the Messiah from his work. You've been at a wedding, and there's somebody there who brings a sense of anxiety to that ceremony. Maybe they're there to grind an axe. Maybe they're there to prove to the bride or the groom or a member of the family that some point they're, they're making is the right point. And in fact, even in their own mind and heart, they can come up with any excuse to go through those actions. I'm that guest. Because I can come up with all kinds of reasons why I'm acting the way I do every day in life in certain situations. I think I'm doing the right thing. I can justify myself. But actually, I'm deterring the work of the Son of God in my life. Right? One of the things that you saw when the Georgia Bulldogs ran out into the field was the, the photographers wanting to get that just perfect picture. And they put themselves really in danger, and they put the players in danger of tripping and falling over them and getting injured. I'm that photographer, though. 
because I'm desperate at, life, in, at times in life to do just the right thing and I'll risk everything for the sake of this one moment, forgetting the bigger picture, the long-term consequences. And I can, again, I can justify myself in any way in those excuses. Sound familiar? We are that guest. We are that photographer. We are John. In our sin and sinfulness, intentionally allowing evil. Influences. Or influencers, which is big right now on social media. I can allow what people are saying or how they're acting to, to shape me. And I can take that in, sometimes intentionally, thinking that I'm doing the right thing and embracing a right idea, thought, perspective. But in fact, what I'm intentionally doing is forcing, pushing the work of the Holy Spirit, of the Messiah in my heart and life, away. It's my sin. And it's my sin that separates me from anything in the kingdom of God. And John was on that precipice, deterring Jesus. The very work of the Messiah is weighing in the balance. What's going to happen? Is John going to win this battle with Jesus? Jesus is going to set you right, John. Uh, I, I don't need to be baptized by you. Or is Jesus, undeterred, going to move on and say to John, No, John. You might think this in your head and have the best intention in mind, but this must happen to fulfill all righteousness. In fact, that's what Jesus says. Let it be so, my cousin, for it's proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. This is my Father's plan. This is the purpose for which I come to give the Holy Spirit, to fulfill the righteousness of God among mankind. And Jesus fulfills that righteousness by putting himself under divine judicial approval. To be, to be declared righteous means to have been put under that judicial judgment for sin so that you would be called holy. And this is what Jesus does. He puts himself under divine judicial approval so that you and I might even possess then the character of Jesus as declared by the Lord God Almighty himself. This is my son, whom I love. I'm well pleased with him. Was that righteousness declared over Jesus that the divine judicial approval was upon his son, God's son. Babe of Bethlehem. The one who would fulfill the law. Now coming into his call of being the Messiah would fulfill the righteousness that we cannot so that we might be declared righteous in his sight. Righteous. Another name for being declared righteous is to be called a daughter or a son of the Lord Most High, a child of the kingdom, a servant of the Lord, one who is a follower of Jesus. John consents. The Spirit wins out. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of the Lord God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. 
righteousness declared. In this grand entrance that Jesus is making in, in this time at the Jordan River, coming up out of the water, and the kingdom of God, the reign of the Lord God Almighty is proclaimed among us. Here is the Messiah. Here is the righteous one. Here is the one who will save people, you and me, from our sins. Here's the one who will conquer all of our enemies, be raised from the dead, take his place on high, and give each one of us the Holy Spirit, all who believe in Christ Jesus, so that we might have the very righteousness, the character of Jesus himself within us. You know, every day, every day that you get out of bed, that I get out of bed, leave the house, every day that we go somewhere is like a grand entrance to the world of Jesus Christ. When you walk into the grocery store, trumpets might not blare, but you're entering that grocery store as the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the Messiah who lives in you. When you go to school, your classmates not, may not stand up from their, from their chairs and welcome you into the classroom. But when you enter that classroom, you are the righteousness of Jesus in that place. When you love one another and forgive one another, when you embrace each other in the grace that you've known from your Heavenly Father, you are sharing the very character and righteousness of Jesus with your wife, husband, with your children, your neighbor, your friend. You are Jesus the Messiah as he lives in you and his righteousness to the world. So, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, I'm no longer that guest at the wedding. No. We're called the bride of the groom. And that bride is the body of Christ and each one of us individually members of it. We are the bride of of the groom who comes to marry us to himself. <laughs> wow. I'm not that photographer or that bystander, but I'm one now who is part of the team. Even as our champion takes the field each and every day, you and me are part of a greater purpose and team of which the outcome is already known. Victory and life in eternity. And the glory of our Heavenly Father known even among us. We who are together. And what's our team's motto? Well, of course, it's Christ Jesus and Him crucified, right? And for us, for us as a congregation, this team here at Bethany, it means sharing the life and love of Jesus Christ with all. In everything that we're about as a people. Individuals and members of the body. The bride. And I am forgiven. And I'm freed. From any passion or desire or urge or excuse that would intentionally separate me from Christ's righteousness. You are freed. You are free to be the people of God he's called you to be in the righteousness of Jesus Christ that makes you and I again today new. Full of life. Welcomed into the kingdom of God. For I live counting myself. Dead to sin, but alive to the Lord God in Christ Jesus my Lord. How do you think the church ought to respond to that? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise be to our Lord. All of the above. 
Let's pray. Yes, Lord, welcome in your grand entrance as the Messiah to this humanity that you love and care for and, and into my life as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving me that very character of yourself, that righteousness that declares me approved in the sight of my Heavenly Father, on which he would then send his Holy Spirit, and I live in that spirit each and every day. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gift and the blessing of being counted in your kingdom. And as I go from here, as you allow me to carry that message of your salvation in my heart and attitude and actions, as I go to different places, let that be a grand entrance of your kingdom's purpose, even known in me, Lord. And I'll count that as all privilege. Count that all privilege to be known as a follower of Jesus Christ child of the heavenly father empowered by the spirit in jesus name and to your praise and glory we pray amen amen friends may the peace of god that passes our understanding keep our hearts and minds in christ jesus in your righteousness in your lord until life everlasting may you know his peace that passes our understanding amen